Thanks, Matt. Good morning, Midtown Church. This morning, uh, as we stand uh, at the doorway to a new year, I wanted to take a moment for us to, to just consider the importance of us using our time well in 2024. Time is a valuable commodity, and once it's gone, it's gone. And so I want to take a moment this morning just to look at why it is so important that we use our time well, and then I'm going to finish with how we actually can use our time well. When it comes to natural human abilities, we all have different abilities, and we have them to varying degrees. I have the completely useless ability to remember completely random facts or bits of information. Generally, they have to do with numbers, and so I can recall that the Battle of Hastings took place on the 14th of October, 1066. Uh, I, I can recall uh, that if you screamed as loud as you could nonstop for eight years, seven months, and six days, uh, you would generate 77.5 kilojoules of sound energy, which is just enough to warm up a single cup of coffee. <laughs> and you know when you go to the stores and you buy these loose items that you have to put the code in? The code for bananas at every major store in Chilliwack is 4011. Completely useless uh, ability to, to remember random facts. Now, the downside is I can never remember the important stuff. I, 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 I can never find my car keys. I'm always looking for my cell phone, and it's been about seven months since I last saw my wallet. Just ridiculous information. And the downside is, and I probably shouldn't confess this as a pastor, and that is because my head is full of useless information, I forget the important stuff, and sometimes that means I forget people's names. I mean, I even do it with my own family. I only have two kids. It shouldn't be that difficult. So if I'm talking to you and I get a glazed look on my face, it's because I've forgotten your name. Throw me a bone and remind me. So when it comes to our, our natural abilities, we all have different abilities and to different degrees. When, when it comes to spiritual gifts, we all have different spiritual gifts. And we have them to varying degrees. Paul writes to the church in, in Rome, he says this, In his grace, God has given us all different gifts for doing certain things well. I mean, to the uh, Christians in Corinth, Paul says uh, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. There, there are different kinds of service. There are different kinds of working. All these are the work of uh, one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. When it comes to spiritual gifts, we all have different spiritual gifts, and we all have them to varying degrees. But when it comes to time and the amount of time we have available, we all have at our disposal 
the exact same amount of time. This year, we all will have 52 weeks to use for whatever we plan to use them for. Being leap year, we will all have 366 days. This year, we will all see 527,040 minutes pass us by. When it comes to time, we all have exactly the same amount of time at our disposal. And that is true for the King of England. That is true for Pierre Polyev. That is true for the busiest person. That is true for the laziest person. That is true for me. And that is true for you. We all have exactly the same amount of time. Now, when it comes to time, there are generally two ways in which people perceive time. For some people, uh, time is relative, while it, for other people, time is absolute. For some of us, it's relative. For some of us, it's absolute. Now, the country that Kim and I were, were uh, born and raised in, South Africa, their time is relative. The time is a, a rough guide, let us say. So, for example, if I said to you, let's meet at 10 o'clock for coffee. 10 o'clock is more of a suggestion than it is a time. So, if you arrive at 10.10, that's 10-ish. If you arrive at 10.20, still 10-ish. If you arrive at 10.30, 10-ish. If you arrive at 10.40, Still 10-ish. For, for South Africans, time is relative. And, and there's, a, there's an understanding of time in South Africa that completely frustrates all of my Canadian friends. Time kind of works on a spectrum. Uh, so, for example, if uh, in South Africa I said, if you ask me to do something and I'll say, I'll, I'll do it at this moment, it means I'm going to do it right now. But don't confuse that with right now. Because when a South African says right now, what they mean is I'll do it in an hour or a day or a week. When a South African says I will do it now, it means I will do it in a few weeks or a few months. When a South African says I'll do it now, now, they mean get off my back, I'll do it when I'm good and ready. When a South African says I will do it just now, it's an indefinite period of time and usually means never going to happen. Kim and I were in South Africa, in Atlanta a number of years ago, visiting good friends of ours. And uh, I got up to make some coffee and I said to, uh, said to Kim, and these American friends, I said to Kim, do you, would you like some tea? And Kim said, oh, just now. So I got up and I, I made myself some coffee and I, I sat down and uh, the lady who we were visiting with said, it's a bit rude. Your wife said she wanted tea. And I went, no, she didn't. And she said, yes, she did. And I went, no, she didn't. She's like, you did. And then it hit me. For, for when Kim said, I want tea just now, it meant no. For her, it meant Kim wanted tea now. <laughs> so South African have this idea of time that is relative. Here in Canada, or in North America at least, Time is not relative. 
It is absolute. Time is not a rough guide. Uh, it, it, it is an immutable law like gravity. And so if, uh, you, if I say to you, uh, hey, why don't you join me for coffee at 10 o'clock? If you arrive at 10.01, you're late. Where have you been? 10.01 is late because 10 o'clock is absolute. In some parts of the world, time is relative, but here in Canada, it's absolute. And that idea of time as absolute determines the pace and the speed of our lives. When we see time as absolute, it affects the speed and pace of our lives. And we see this in Africa. In Africa, people are so laid back. No one's in a rush. Like, you'll get there when you get there. Here in Canada, we just rush everywhere we go. We're rushing. And we see this in the idioms that we use. So in Canada, in South Africa, there's a saying in Africa at least that says, haste and hurry can only bear children with many regrets along the way. Let me read that again because it's, it's profound. Haste and hurry can only bear children with many regrets along the way. That's an African uh, time is relative point of view. Compare that with what we say in North America. Yeah, we say, make hay while the, t- while the sun shines. Time is of the essence. Strike while the iron is hot. Time is money. Other lands make for the devil's work. You snooze, you lose. The early bird catches the worm. Procrastination is the thief of time. There's no time like the present. Cope diem, seize the day. Time waits for no one. Every minute counts. He who hesitates is lost. For some people, time is relative, but for other people, it's absolute. But what is the biblical concept of time? When it comes to how Scripture views time... There's an important spiritual truth I want you to just remember. And that spiritual truth is this. While we have all been given the equal amount of time, not all time is equal. While we have all been given the equal amount of time, not all time is equal. And in the New Testament, we see two different words for time. And the first is the word chronos where we get the word chronicle from. And uh, the word is used 54 times where it always refers to a specific time, a day uh, or a month or an hour. So, for example, Luke, talking about the delay of Paul's missionary journey because of a storm, says much time, chronos, had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous. And chronos is helpful for living in our 21st century. We know how to, what time we, we need to be at church. We know what time we need to be at work. Uh, it helps us navigate our days. And so Kronos time is not bad. It's, we need Kronos time. But when it comes to living life to the full, when it comes to getting the most out of our days, when it comes to sucking the marrow out of Life and time, there's another word 
another concept of time in Scripture that is very, very different to the concept of chronos time. The second Greek word that we find in Scripture in the New Testament referring to time is the word kairos. And the word is used 86 times in the New Testament, and it refers not to time as we know it, not chronological time, but it refers to a, a, an opportune time, a, a moment, just a, a, a brief time where, where, where everything stands still and something special happens. Kairos time is... is it's a moment of indeterminate time when something special happens. Kairos time is a moment where God breaks into Kronos time. It's a moment where God speaks. It's a mo moment of learning and illumination. It's a special moment. It's a, a defining moment. Kairos moments are often aha moments. You ever had that? When suddenly you just feel God speaking to you, and you just, it's like, oh, never seen that before, but God has broken into my chronos with a kairos moment. Jesus, at the start of his ministry, says this, he says, the time, kairos moment, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Jesus is saying, this is not a chronos moment, this is a kairos moment. The kingdom of God is right Yeah, It's in your midst. If only you would see that. This is a kairos moment. Paul, debating with the philosophers in Rome, he too points out the importance of kairos moments. And then he tells us why God has given us kairos moments. Paul, debating with these philosophers, says, from one man, he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times, kairos moments. He marked out their kairos moments in history and the boundaries of their lands. Why did God give us kairos moments? Paul says this, God did this so that they, people, would seek him and perhaps Reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Now, there is a very important distinction between Kronos time and Kairos time. Kronos time is about the quantity of time, how much time there is. Kronos is, is about quantity, but, but Kairos, Kairos is about quality. How good is that moment? Not how long is it, but how good is it? Kronos is about how much time. Well, Kairos is about the value of that time. Here's how you can remember it. Kronos is about minutes. But Kairos is about moments. Kronos time is about minutes. But Kairos time is about moments. When God appears to Moses in the burning bush, Kairos moment. When God speaks to Jacob in a dream, Kairos moment. 
And God speaks to Elijah when he's standing outside the cave. And God speaks in a still, small voice. Kairos moment. When the angel appears to Mary and tells her she will give birth to the Savior. Kairos moment. When Jesus washes the feet of his disciples. Kairos moment. And God speaks to Paul on the road to Emmaus. Kairos moment. And God speaks to Peter in a vision. Kairos moment. When the Holy Spirit comes on the believers at Pentecost. Kairos moment. And we have to be deliberate about being on the lookout for Kairos moments. We have to be deliberate about looking out for them. For two reasons. For two reasons. And the first is that Kairos moments are fleeting. They're here and then they're gone. The Greek god of opportunity was the god Kairos. And he's an unusual looking god because if you notice, he has long flowing locks in the front and he's bald at the back. And the the, the, uh, the belief was that if, if Kairos, the god of opportunity, stood in front of you, you could easily grab hold of him by his hair. If Kairos was in front of you, you, you could grab him. It was, you could do that. You could take hold of that opportunity. But if he turned, there was no hair at the back. And so you could not. Grab hold of that opportunity. It was gone. Gone forever. Kairos moments are fleeting. They're here and then they're gone. And there is a truth that we should always remind ourselves of when it comes to our time. And that truth is this. There is always tomorrow... Until there is no tomorrow. There is always tomorrow. Until there is no tomorrow. And I'm not talking about the reality that any one of us could die at any moment. That's not what I'm talking about when I say that there's always tomorrow until there's no tomorrow. What I'm talking about is those bucket list items that we have. Those things we've always wanted to do. Those goals that we have. That we keep saying, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll get to it tomorrow. And then years later, the reality hits that you never got to do that item on the bucket list. And then the dark reality hits you that it's too late to do what you desperately wanted to do. There's always tomorrow until there is no tomorrow. And if you're a parent, you can identify with me on this one. Do you know how many occasions I look back at And realize that I've missed a moment with one of my girls. 
a moment that I'm never going to get back. When Katie was very small, now just a heads up, even when I practiced this sermon, I got all teary and choked up with this illustration. So I'm not going to hold it together, just so you know, if that makes you awkward, sorry for you. But when Katie was very small, before I went to bed, I would go and I would stand over her as she slept. And I would take in What a gift she is. And I would thank God for her and I would pray over her. And I used to do that every night. I don't do it anymore because she's in her 20s and married, and that's weird <laughs> and probably illegal. But at one day, in the past, I stood over Katie, and I prayed for her, and I marveled. And what a gift she was. And how much I loved her. And I prayed over her. And I did that for the very last time. At some point in the past, I stood over my little daughter and marveled at the gift she was. And I prayed over her for the very last time. But you know what? I did not know that that was the very last time. I didn't know that. Maybe if I did, I would have lingered a little bit longer. Maybe I would have marveled for just a little bit longer. Maybe I would have prayed just a little bit longer. But it was the last time I did that. But I didn't know that. You see, there's always tomorrow until there is no tomorrow. Kairos moments are fleeting. They're here, and then they're gone. 
because Kairos moments are fleeting, and because we are so busy with our view of time as absolute, and because we spend our days rushing about, there is a very real danger that this will impact our spiritual lives. Because we're so busy, because we're rushing everywhere. We miss out on Kairos moments. And that is, that, that is dangerous and damaging to our spiritual lives. John Ortberg speaking about this. The author John Ortberg says this. He says, for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will skim our lives instead of actually living them. The second reason why we must be deliberate about being on the lookout for Kairos moments, and this is a far more important reason, and it's this. It is through Kairos moments that we find ourselves in sacred spaces. It is through Kairos moments that we find ourselves in sacred spaces. What are sacred spaces? They're moments where the eternal breaks into the temporal. They're points in time where the everlasting reaches down into the temporary. They're brief moments where heaven invades the earthly. They're short moments where the spiritual pours into the material. They're moments where the supernatural overwhelms the mundane. They're moments where the thin fabric between earth and heaven is pulled apart ever so slightly and just for a moment. And we encounter a sacred moment when we experience the very presence of God himself. This idea of the, the sacred space was at the very heart of the design and intention of the temple, the Jewish temple. The, the temple was constructed in order to allow for a sacred space. All of the the, 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 the design of the rooms getting smaller and smaller and smaller until there's just this tiny room with the Ark of the Covenant in it. It was all designed with this idea of moving from the outside into a sacred space. All of the sacrifices, they were there for one reason, to enable the priest and one high priest specifically to enter the sacred space on behalf of the people. We are encouraged to pursue that sacred space individually. Da David describes his longing for a sacred space like this. He says, where can I go and meet with God? But we're also called to pursue sacred spaces corporately. As a church, as Midtown, we are called to corporately pursue sacred spaces. 
Paul to the church in Corinth says this. He says, don't you know that you yourselves, plural, are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in your, plural, midst. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred. And you together, plural, are that temple. So how do we pursue Kairos moments? I want to touch on four ways that we can pursue Kairos moments. Firstly, we must be intentional about pursuing Kairos moments. We have to be intentional about pursuing Kairos moments. We have to. And we see Jesus doing this. A disciple John records that famous encounter with Jesus and the, the Samaritan woman by the well. And he starts off his account of the story by making the following statement. He says, now Jesus had to go through Samaria. Now, technically, that's not accurate. Technically, that's not accurate. There were two other ways by which you could bypass Samaria and move around it. You didn't have to go through Samaria. There were other ways. And in fact, most Jews took one of those two other ways so that they could avoid the Samaritans. So why does does John say that Jesus had to go through Samaria? What's the point that he's making? The secret to understanding why he makes that seemingly inaccurate statement is in the Greek word for had to. It it means, the Greek word means, it literally means that which is necessary, that which must be done, that which is an obligation for you to do. And so the idea that John is making is that Jesus had to go through Samaria because he was compelled to go through Samaria. He was obligated. He felt it in his spirit that he, he just needed to propel himself towards this meeting with the Samaritan woman. Why? Because God had ordained that on this day, That Samaritan woman was destined to have a Kairos moment with Jesus. That's why Jesus had to go through Samaria. He had to. Because on the way through Samaria, as he walked the Kronos time, there was going to be a moment of Kairos time. He had to. And Jesus lived this, but he also taught this. Again, another famous story. Jesus goes to the house of Martha and Mary. And Martha becomes obsessed with Kronos time. So much to do. Prepare the meals, clean the house, get the water and the cloth to wipe Jesus' feet, to wipe the guests' feet. So much to do. So little time. And Mary... She sits at Jesus' feet, taking in every word that he says, taking it all in. And eventually, Martha can't take it anymore. 
And, and do we say in South Africa, we say I've had it up to you? Do we say that, yeah? Okay, Martha's like, I've had it up to you. Goes to Jesus and she's like, Jesus, do you not see that I'm doing all the work and my lazy sister is sitting at your feet doing nothing? And Jesus says this, he says, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset about all these details. You're obsessed with Kronos, Martha. Kronos is directing your life, Martha. And Jesus says, there is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus says, Martha, you just, you're just running around with Kronos time. Mary has discovered a Kairos moment. And I'm not going to take that away from her. Kairos moment. How we use our time is crucially important because it is the use of our time that determines whether or not we create opportunities for us to have deep spiritual encounters with the almighty, all-powerful creator of the universe. And through this year, we're going to encourage you to look out for, to seek, to pursue those kairos moments that lead to sacred spaces. We're also going to be deliberate about this as a church family. As pastors, we've spoken about the importance of creating spaces and places in this coming year. Spaces and places that will enable you or help you to encounter kairos moments that will lead to sacred spaces. We're going to encourage you to pursue these spaces and places, but we're going to, we're going to be deliberate about creating them for us as a church as well. So firstly, be deliberate. Secondly, just stop. Just stop. Press pause. Stop the urgency of the chronos. Just stop. We see Jesus uh, do just this. The, the, the historian Mark re records a, an encounter with Jesus, with a, the man, with a man called Jairus. And Jairus comes to Jesus, and he's in desperate. He's just, he's broken, and he falls at Jesus' feet, and in desperation, he says, My, my daughter is, is dying. Please, please, come and put your hands on her that she may live. Jesus says, well, let's go. And as they go, this crowd forms around Jesus, propelling him forward, driving him towards this little dying girl. And in this crowd is a woman who's been sick for many, many years, who spent all of her money trying to get better and hasn't. She's got worse. And she says to herself, if I just touch Jesus' robe, I will be healed. And so she, she makes her way through the, the throng that's moving fast, moving quickly towards Jairus' dying daughter. And she reaches out and she touches Jesus. And Jesus is aware that power has gone out of him. And then Jesus does something profound. Jesus stops. He stops. 
Can you imagine being Jairus? Jesus, what are you doing? My daughter's dying. Like, we're rushing. This is urgent. You need to keep moving. Why have you stopped? This is insanity. Jesus, come on. You, 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 you can't stop now. But Jesus stops. And he pauses Kairos, Kronos time. Because again, he's destined to have a Kairos moment with this sick woman. We tend to miss Kairos moments because we're so busy rushing. And if I'm honest, I rush everywhere I go. I am always in a rush. And I, I have people say to me, they say, Darren, I, I, I really wanted to speak to you about something. But I saw that you were in a rush. And I didn't want to stop you from going where you were rushing off to. And you know what? I am always in a rush. And because I am always in a rush, many people feel that they cannot stop me and speak to me. And possibly we could have a Kairos moment together. It doesn't happen because I'm always in a rush. And you want to know the saddest part? That which I'm rushing towards is almost never urgent. I rush everywhere I go. Everywhere I go. And people take a look and they go, ah. no, he's busy, he's on a rush. Stop. Press pause on on Kronos time. Thirdly, take the time to just look around. Just look around. The book of Exodus records that, again, that famous story of the account of Moses looking up and he sees a burning bush. And Scripture tells us that because Moses uh, took the time to look at the burning bush, God blessed him by giving him a kairos moment that led him to a sacred space where God revealed his very name to Moses for the very first time. Because Moses took the time to look, God blessed him by giving him a kairos moment that led him to a sacred space. In Exodus 3, we read this. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight while the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Kairos moments can be found in those still moments. Those times of early morning prayer, retreats where we get to go away and actually get to meditate for a little bit. 
There's times where we slow down enough to actually just read Scripture. But Kairos moments can also be found where you least expect it. The cry of a newborn. The laugh of a toddler. The creases in the smile of an octogenarian. Kairos moments, sacred spaces all around us. We just have to look. They can be found in the red hues of a sunset, or the sound of a river, or the smell of flowers, or that taste of uh, that first cup of coffee. Kairos moments, sacred spaces, can even be found in the mundane moments of everyday life, waiting for the traffic light to turn green, standing in line at Fresco, Kairos moments, sacred spaces are all around us. But we will miss them if we hurry through our days obsessed with Kronos time. Fourthly, and this is one of the ways that I want to stress so much, and that is we find Kairos moment and sacred spaces when we pursue community. God wants us to have Kairos moments with him, moments where it's just us and the creator of the universe. And, and that's good, and that's right, and it's a worthwhile pursuit. But God also wants us to have Kairos moment and sacred spaces with him as a community. Do you know what I've noticed in the, in the West about how we view Christianity or faith? We view Christianity and faith in this way. Oh, it's, it's between me and God. It's private. It's just between me and God. Do you know that this is kind of unique to North America? I'd never experienced it till I came here. But our faith is, is private to a little degree. But throughout the Old Testament, we, 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 are, we are told about the ecclesia, the people of God. In the New Testament, it's all about the kingdom of God. It's about the body, the, the church family, the community. So often, we, we just, we, we're so obsessed with our own private faith that we miss out on Kairos moments as a community. In Acts chapter 2, we told of the Holy Spirit descending, not on individuals, but on the body of believers as a whole. Luke tells us when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Kairos moments are found when we are in community with each other. Which is why... During this year, we are going to be deliberate about creating Kairos moments for us as a community. Because it is in these Kairos moments as a community that we will encounter sacred spaces where Yahweh will speak to us. There's another African proverb that Appropriate, yeah. In Africa, they say, if you want to go fast, 
go alone. If you want to go far, go together. So the question is that we each have to ask is, do I want to go fast or do I want to go far? If you want to go far, that happens in community. That happens in community. So what? I want you to see time. We want you to see time in 2024 as a blessing, not as a curse. And to do that, I want to leave you with two truths that will help you keep that in perspective. And the first truth is this. Kairos moments are not there to enslave you. They are there to set you free. They're not there to bind you. They're there to break the chains. Kairos moments are not, are not, they're not there to, to, to keep you a slave. They're there to make you free. Kairos moments are not to enslave you, but to set you free. And the second truth I want to leave with as I close is this. God does not want your time. God does not want your time. He wants you. He does not want your time. He wants you. He wants you. Father, we, we thank you that our times are in your hand. That you've ordained the days that lie before us. Father, we ask in 2024 that you would help us be so deliberate about seeking out Kairos moments, not only as individuals, but as your church, as Midtown. That as a body, as a family, as a community, you will enable us to have Kairos moments that lead into sacred spaces. So Father, we give you 2024. We hand it over to you. And we ask that it's a year in which you grow us and feed us and bless us as Midtown Church, as your community. Father, won't you do that for us in this coming year? In Jesus' name, amen.